0: Hello everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're with us. As we continue on in a series we're doing called Living Invitations. Living Invitations. And this is about uh, our, our purpose and our mission. And we've, we've talked about the fact that we're the church. And Whenever you read about the church in the Bible it's always talking about people. Either it's the group of people from the time of Christ uh, the, uh, who have believed in Him. Up till now, or a specific group of believers in a in a specific place, um, that's the church. And so, right now, we are the church, uh, and um, we uh, we sometimes get our our vocabulary because we say things like "Let's go to church." It can sort of confuse us. But right now, you've you've come to this facility, but gathered, you are the church. When you leave, you're still the church. So um, you're the church whether you're here. Or whether you're out there, that's just who you are. And it's important for us to sort of get a feel for that so that we don't um, sort of miss, uh, you know, not understand and move into our mission and our purpose, which is to live this life in such a good way uh, that Peter said that, that it would help people come to know Jesus. And that that's the heart of why we're here. That's our time as the church. That's what we're doing now. Uh, and we're here because the church before us has done their part and kept it going and Preached the good news and shared and been the church and so now it's on us and last week we talked about hospitality, and we're doing a little sub series now and because uh, I said that we, we talked about hospitality, but I said one of the big things about hospitality is is uh, understanding that there's a spiritual battle that we're engaged in among with other things, and that that not only are we engaged in this battle, but we're to stand on behalf of our neighbors who don't yet know. Jesus and so I want to look at the uh, the uh, armor that God has given us to stand in in this battle with this understanding and so we're gonna talk about the armor of God for the next few weeks so that's where we're heading in just a moment that's the intro Uh, transition always a bad joke or two this one um, the context of this joke that I'm about to tell you is that I was coming to church a couple of Sundays ago and I was leaving and getting into the car and it was, I get here very early so it was pitch black, it was about 5.30, 5.45 in the morning and I, I see someone coming down the road on a bicycle, very interesting, in the little park that I live in with one of those little headlamps on and uh, they stopped me and it's pitch black and they said, wait, wait, I gotta tell you a joke. It's kinda of funny, right? This is really early in the morning and so, and so this was a joke they told me. They said this uh, he said, well this, this bear goes into a bar and he says to the bartender, he says, uh, I really need a drink of water. And the bartender looks at the beer and says, what's up with the big pause? Right? <laughs> Middle of the road, man. Quarter to six in the morning. I was like, really? Oh, yeah, and you like it, see? Okay, I probably should have just stuck with that. But I got these two, and I want to see if either of them work. What do you call a dog that does magic tri- tricks? Labrador. Well, Oh, that got up. Well, maybe I'll keep that. And then this was just one of those interesting little things. People in Dubai don't like the Flintstones, but people in Abu Dhabi do. Well, you guys are easy tonight. I, I, don't, I don't know. Okay, we'll keep them all. Scripture reading. Here we go. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. You will probably recognize this as the armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Remember, I said that his, his whole deal is trying to keep people blinded um, that don't know Jesus, in darkness, trapped, not seeing the light. For our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, With all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. saints. Blessed be the word of the Lord. That's the armor of God. My hope would be that you're acquainted with the armor of God and that uh, the reality is, and we've encouraged you to do this over time, but it's one of those things we have to keep coming back to, is that uh, this should be a, the armor of God should be something that you pray on every day. It should be a part of your normal routine that, that at some point in your prayer time and hopefully early in the morning, you actually think about that passage of Scripture and you pray it over yourself. It's a prayer I include every morning in my prayer time. And, I, and so I, I talk about, you know, Lord, I, I'm putting on the belt of truth and I'm shodding my feet with the preparation of gospel of peace and I... Taken up the breastplate of righteousness God, and I you know i 'm going to take the, the shield of faith uh, and the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit and the helmet of salvation, and having done everything to stand i 'm going to stand in you and i 'm going to be praying that that there 's something about that that is very uh, empowering in your daily life, and that God has given us that as a, as a tool, this armor for our lives and and yet sometimes we can get distracted and we 're not praying it on, so I want to encourage you as we spend these next few weeks looking at it, that it becomes a part of your routine. And we're going to help you with that as we progress in the process. But but let's start t- today talking about the armor of God by, by talking and we'll just take it as it comes, a piece at a time. First point in your notes is the belt of truth. So the belt of truth. Because, we, you know, whenever we start to pray things, I, I, I always want to make sure I'm understanding when I talk about Lord, I, I want to put on the belt of truth that I under, it's a bigger meaning, that it's it's not just something I'm going by rote, that I get in the process what it means when I'm asking, you know, to, to wear this belt of truth. Ephesians 6, 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So, remember now we're, we're talking about the armor, we're talking about being living, living invitations, we're talking about living lives that impact the world around us for Jesus. And that to me this belt of truth that we're, we're, we're to put on um, is about, and I'm already in point number two, it's about being people of integrity. It's about being people of integrity. See, we're, we're, we're representatives of the truth. Jesus is the truth. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's the truth. And, and we're His hands and feet, right? He's the head of the body. We're the body. We talked about that. And so we're to become um, people of truth because we're His people. And that, that to be that, for me, it's, it's about being people of integrity. Now when I think about integrity, I think about um, what I say, I believe, matching up with how I live my life. That, that to me is what it looks like for me to be a person of integrity. That the things that I say are the things that I'm doing. I'm not saying one thing and doing another um, that, that these areas of my life are, are matching up. The old saying, most of you have heard, is that we're supposed to practice what we preach. Uh, and uh, uh, every area of my life that, that doesn't yet match up with what I say I believe is an area where I'm still lacking integrity. Now, I would love to be able to stand up here today and tell you that there's none of those areas left in my life 30 years on in this journey with the Lord, but that would be a lie, which would be a lack of integrity. So I can't tell you that. But but I can tell you that my heart's desire is that those areas of my life would match. And, and every time that I find that they don't, I, I want to do business with God if you wouldn't. I want to get with Him and ask Him to help me see those things. And I, I want to ask Him and I try and ask Him to help me see them at this point in my life bef- before I'm well into the process so that I, I get a... a an idea of, you know, that's probably not the, the thing to do that has the most integrity. And so uh, it's, a, it's sort of an inward look about where our hearts are at on this journey. Uh, and there's, a, there's a, a, a an Old Testament king who I, I think is fascinating, and his name was Joash. And we're going to read about him in just a second. Joash, uh, he had a, had a crazy grandma who um, killed all of the offspring uh, that she could find in her family, her own family. She killed them all so that she could be queen in the time of the kings. She was not right. And uh, so she killed sons and siblings and any, any of the children, anybody who might have had a possible shot at the throne, she just boom, had them killed or killed them herself. And, uh, and so she's the queen, and yet they hide Joash as a little boy. They hide him in the palace. And uh, she thinks he's been taken care of. But they hide him away and he stays hidden for years. And finally when he's about seven years old, there's a priest named Jehoiada who basically stages a coup against this, this terrible queen and uh, brings in the, the royal guard and they side with Jehoiada and the rightful heir Joash and they, they deal with the queen in the process. So um, Joash becomes king at the age of seven. In the second Kings 12 too, it says Joash... Did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the years Jehoiada the priest instructed him. That's a fascinating introduction for a king because when you read about kings, it's pretty cut and dried when you read through all the Old Testament kings. Either they did right or they did evil. It's kind of how they're introduced. Here's this king and he did right in the eyes of the Lord. Here's all the good stuff he did. Or here's this king and he did evil and this is all the bad stuff that he did. Joash is introduced in a way that none of the others are. Uh, Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the years Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. Now that's fascinating to me. And, and so to dig a little deeper, we're, we're going to look quickly at 2 Chronicles 24 and we're going to find out why that introduction is the way it is. 2 Chronicles 24, 17 and uh, the first part of 18. After the death of Jehoiada, The officials of Judah came and paid homage to the king, and he listened to them. And they abandoned the temple of the Lord, the God of their fathers, and worshiped Asherah poles and idols. So here's the thing, that Joash did the right thing as long as Jehoiada was alive, but after he died, Joash quickly started to do the wrong thing. That's his legacy. And he did some really good stuff while Jehoiada was alive. But the moment Jehoiada was out of the picture Joash went in a completely different direction so integrity to me it's about doing the right thing regardless of who may or may not know about it so even though Joash was doing the right thing his heart wasn't involved in the process he was just doing it because of Jehoiada and and when when we talk about living with integrity and and, you know I, I talk about living by doing the next right thing all the time so So, this is really important, I think, for us to sort of uh, look at integrity is it 's a heart issue, so while at some level i, I want to do the next right thing because of my family and my friends and certainly the church and and the lord but the the thing is if if is that really enough if my heart's not in it if i'm if i 'm not really committed to in my heart the desire to live this thing out uh, in in the way that matters. Will I give in to opportunities that present themselves if I think I could get away with it with nobody knowing? And that becomes one of the big deals about integrity. Um, I think all of us uh, have experienced justifying or rationalizing our wrong choices. And, and we do it with those things, well, no one will know, or, or you know, uh, well, I deserve it or life isn't fair, or who will it hurt, or I'm tired of waiting, and and of course, the one that trips up so many believers, it's the biggest rational lie of them all for doing something that's not the right thing to do, is, well, God wants me to be happy, doesn't He? You know, I've heard people say that to justify and rationalize sin far too often, and I've I'm sure that I have thought and acted on that myself and and the the reality is God certainly does want you to be happy but not at the expense of your integrity and that's where things sort of come into issue and what they look like and and so you know that this is a big deal our hearts sort of getting right so how do we how do we live in integrity what what is how does that look like because it does make a difference being a, a true person of integrity makes a difference in all your relationships, in your relationship with your family, in relationship with your friends, in relationship with the community because they're looking and, and that's sort of point number three is we need to know that we need to live like someone is watching because someone always is. Somebody's always watching. And when you're being a living invitation, they're really watching to see what's going on. And let me tell you that, uh, you know, the the standard isn't Perfect because you 're not going to be perfect, you will fail, but the standard is real. see to me it 's living in reality uh, it's it 's dealing with things as they come up and i 'm not going to get this right all the time, but my heart wants to and and so we we need to start thinking that that people are watching and you know the one of the most amazing things is that nowadays like so much of what you do is being watched. Uh, you ever watch those TV shows where they 're solving um, crimes and the detectives go in and, they're, they, and the first thing that the detectives do now is they start looking for where there's cameras and, and like there's an amazing amount of cameras out there taking pictures of stuff and f- videos of stuff and so you, you're almost you're almost always on like video <laughs> he says as he looks up and sees himself on video we have video cameras around here anywhere where we have children we have cameras um, that's just the, the age that we live in. It's, it's the time that we live in. And, and now, you know, you not only are there stationary ones, everybody almost can video like on the spot, right? Everybody's carrying around a video camera because it's in their phone. That's why, you know, recently in the news, there's been all these things that are happening on planes. You know, these aren't new things that are happening on planes. People are just putting them, taking pictures of them now because they can. So, like, everything is sort of being watched, and the way that we act and the way that we're involved in life is, is, is being watched. And so uh, I think it, being aware of that is very helpful. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing to live like somebody's watching. I think actually it's very freeing to live that way. Um, and and at, the, at the heart of that statement is God's always watching us anyway. And it's okay to be who we are in front of Him. Proverbs 15.3, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. So, so God's always watching every way, anyway, and at some level we don't have to pretend to be something we aren't and life is better when we're trying to live by doing the next right thing so so taking this in is very helpful I think it's very freeing because it just sort of sets us on track to do the, the next right thing like I'm not having to sneak around it's a terrible feeling right whenever you're having to sneak around to do something it just you know it's a, it's not a good feeling so So we we sort of have that in our minds in the process, living like somebody's watching, because the Lord always is. Even if nobody else is watching, the Lord's always watching. And that ultimately, and this is point four, we're to live lives that please God. This is sort of at the heart of it. And I I think this is what makes a difference, because we want to please God. We're not trying to earn anything from Him, because if we live life like we're trying to earn something from God based on our performance... uh, we, we don't have our hearts involved. And we become rule followers and when we become rule followers, we become critical and judgmental on everybody else who we don't think is following the rules the way that we would expect them to follow them. And so we, we want to approach this thing in the reality of, God, because of all that you've done for me um, and because of the life that I have in you and because of, you know, all that's happened at the cross and in your defeating death and going to the cross and paying for my sin and and, and everything that you've done so that I can be reconciled to God and have life once again. My heart, God, now is to live life that pleases you. That, that's my heart. Uh, I want to live for you. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.1, Paul said, Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you're living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. That's, that's really the heart uh, of our journey, right? We're, we want to live lives to please Him and we, we want those lives to be more and more pleasing as we go. And to be people of integrity we have to understand to live lives that are pleasing to God is not possible without God's help. Um, we need to know that He's with us. We need to know that He's for us. We need to know that He loves us. We need to know that He forgives us. That when we mess up we can go to Him and He'll forgive us and empower us to do the next right thing. And that's such a critical part of this. So if you, if you, if you take on what I'm talking about, about being a person of an integrity, and then you go, okay, well then this, here's all these rules, you'll just get really hard-hearted. But, but if you take it in the concept of, Lord, I want to live a life that pleases You. And I know that there's issues that need to be worked on. And when I find myself moving in an area that I, I shouldn't move in, God, I'm not going to, you know, hide or pretend. I'm just going to come, God, and and get right with you and ask you to help me. And I know that whenever I come to you, you're always going to receive me, you're always going to love me, and you're always going to forgive me. You need to know that about Him. It doesn't matter if you're stuck in something that's been, you've been stuck for a long, long time. He will always forgive you when you go to Him. That's who He is. That's the nature of God. And, And so you keep going. And He keeps empowering you to go. Now, you don't run out and you think, well, because He always forgives me, I can continue to do what I shouldn't. It's not the right heart. It's God, I want to do what's right, but, but I'm stuck here. Will you help me to overcome it? And He will. And He does. And, and that's our, our process that we continue to move through. So that, to me, is this idea of being people of integrity. That's about the belt of truth. So when you pray on the belt of truth uh, every day, which I, I'm going to encourage you to do you're, you, you need to think about what integrity looks like. And I just sort of let that run through my mind. God, let me be a person of integrity today. When I'm tempted to do something I shouldn't, sort of catch me in it before I move in that direction. I'm going to just share a quote with you. And I, I know I've shared this with you before, but it's one of my favorite little quotes. It's by Henry Nowen. Uh, and, uh, well, actually, it's Mother Teresa, but it was on a question by Henry Nowen, who was a spiritual sort of director. At, and and he he once asked Mother Teresa for spiritual direction. And this is what she said. So it's Mother Teresa's group. Spend one hour each day in adoration of your Lord and never do anything you know is wrong. Follow this and you'll be fine. Now I look at that and it makes me chuckle because I think, brilliant. And yet (laughs) not as easy as it sounds. Hang out with the Lord, which we're supposed to do, and don't do anything you know is wrong. And, And you'll be fine if you do that and so I think that's great advice. Let me encourage you, hang out with the Lord every day and uh, don't do anything you know is wrong. And you'll be just fine. And we will be the living invitations that we're called to be and we'll be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy on behalf of our neighbors. And and a lot of it is about being people of integrity. So think about that this week and just uh, allow God to speak to you in, in those areas of your life and, and help you to... Uh, to sort of help have some movement in good directions in that process. But that's where we're going to end the day. If you're watching my video, thank you for watching. We would love for you to visit us when you get a chance. But in the meantime, if you need prayer, go to our website. There's a prayer page. We will pray for you, and we look forward to seeing you.